Hey everyone, and welcome back to the podcast. It's Jake and Jana. Thanks so much for joining us. And today we have a good topic for you. We thought with all of us being uh, snowed in and iced in the last few days, that maybe a good topic for us to cover today would be mental health. So it's something that actually a few of you had even asked about, um, is just taking care of the mental health of your dancers. And ironically, this week we actually watched... um, an interview that definitely set us down a path of talking about this a lot and realizing, oh my gosh, this is absolutely something we should be talking about with our dance parents. And we hope that eventually we can even bring in the near future, bring some guests on this podcast Mm -hmm. and interview people that are way more knowledgeable and qualified on the topics of chiropractic care and eating habits of dancers and mental health. But I think right now there's actually, we realized way more than a full episode that we could cover and just kind of touch base on this and then take it farther in the future. Right. So the dancer that was interviewed was Sophia Lucia, and she was interviewed on uh, Kim McSwain's, is it a podcast? It's, it was her Instagram. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was Changing Lives with Kim McSwain. Mm-hmm. And Kim McSwain just started this new company, which is a really cool thing, called, yes, Changing Lives with Kim McSwain. And it's really about taking care of the full picture of the dancer, which is wonderful. And a business that I don't think has existed prior that I'm aware of. Um, And you should definitely check her out on Instagram, Changing Lives with Kim McSwain. She posts lots of wonderful things on there. But Sophia Lucia, if you don't know her, um, she's now 20 years old. But when she was younger, she was like... She was the it dancer. The it dancer. I don't know that we've seen anything quite like it since... Um, she has the Guinness Book of World Records record for the most pirouettes, which was like an insane number. It I don't was. Even it was remember. in tap shoes, but it was insane. It was crazy. Um, she was the Dance Awards Best Dancer. She was on Dance Moms for a while. She's been a medalist in all the big ballet competitions. Um, just so accomplished. All the things, yes, and from a very young age. And so this interview was really interesting for us to listen to because watching her kind of climb that ladder to success, I would have never known that she desperately wanted to quit at 10 years old until I was listening to this. And in fact, I was sitting at my kitchen counter while my kids were watching Sesame Street watching this (laughs) and just crying because it... It was hard to listen to. It was hard to hear. Very much so. As someone that I feel like cheered her on from afar, I had no idea what she was going through. Um... She talked a lot about how she, so she started like private training from the time she was four. And I think her mom definitely realized that there was a serious talent there and um, with the best of intentions, wanted to nurture that and foster it and help her daughter to become the best she could be at something she started off loving very Mm -hmm. much so. And then I think it just probably went a little too far. Um, She talked about never being able to play or just that she never really did play as a child. Didn't even really understand what that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, she was homeschooled, which there's nothing wrong with homeschooling as long as kids are still having outside opportunities. But her life really was 8 to 12 hours a day of dance training, 7 days a week from the time she was just a little, little child. And one of the things that I thought was interesting was she talked a lot about just feeling like she had trouble connecting with 
people of her own of any age because life outside of the studio wasn't really an experience that she had which she hadn't had all those extra experiences where she could relate to someone if they wanted to start talking about x y or z so she talked a lot about how she felt in those moments um very um what would the word be Uh, shy backwards and she felt like she came off wrong and she never meant to but it was because she just didn't really know how to relate to people so it's a wonderful, it's like 40 minutes, but it really is. It's a wonderful, not lighthearted, um, maybe challenging to listen to interview, but something that's definitely worth checking out, especially if you have a dancer that's getting to the point where they're really serious about this, because then it set me down like a whole thought process because I think even Jake and I, our experiences have been very different. Because Sophia talked about kind of having these moments of like, oh, I just want to play. Why can I never play? And I very vividly remember being somewhere in that 10 to 12-year-old age and throwing a total fit um, with my parents about that all I wanted to do was to be at the studio. And I remember spending my summers at that age assisting with summer camps at theater arts in the mornings and then just staying at the studio and training um, about 12 hours a day in the summer. And my parents just asking me all the time, are you sure you don't want to go play with the neighborhood kids? Are you sure you don't want to go to the pool and do all these other things? And I just kept telling them my friends are at dance. And so my social group was at dance and I just loved it. That, that was playing to me. And not every summer was like that my whole life. And it wasn't like that for sure when I was seven years old. But at some point, that's what I wanted it to be. And it was a little different for me because while I always danced or did shows and all of that, excuse me, I bounced around between sports all the time as well. So I'd be going to baseball practice and sometimes baseball would ramp up and then I would literally be in my baseball clothes going to dance rehearsal. Um, So I was doing other things outside of dance until I got a little bit older and realized that that was the path that I wanted to follow. But I think we've talked about this. I think that a lot of that stuff helped me as I became older, become a better dancer because of all the different things that I was able to pull from those sports that I had done as well. And we've watched lots of dancers, a lot of them that have done other things, whether it's been gymnastics, there was one dancer that played very competitive soccer, um, that we had up until she was 13, 14, and then made the choice to fully focus on dance and was extremely successful. She's an awesome soccer player, awesome dancer. Right. Yeah. So it can definitely be done, but I think maybe the main takeaway we had is the kid really has to drive that ship. So I think it's one thing if your dancer's looking at you and saying, this is all I want to do all day, every day, <laughs> then at some point I think we do still have to like make sure that they are enjoying it and regularly having fun and still feeling like a kid while pursuing this. Um, but I think if there's a dancer that's looking at you and saying, I really want to do this other activity too, that it's important that they get to explore that while fulfilling obligations and learning about fulfilling commitments and all the things too. Yeah, absolutely. So the tricky thing, even for us, I think is that balancing line between pushing kids. Cause really I would say our job is to push them to be the best dancers that they can be and the best people that they can be. And to find their potential within this, right? And making sure that it's not pushing too far. And I think that line is so different for every kid. Well, and we talked about this too, but I, I think sometimes in society we are, we are um, 
very eager to find a perfect, like almost utopian work-life balance. Just everything has to be equal and the same, but it's not always going to be like that. There are going to be times when you're preparing for a competition or you're preparing for um, you know, a show and, and those are probably not the times to miss, you know? Right. And so I think there's a big difference between missing a day here and there. And yes, we have attendance policies and all the things, but I'm even going to say, I think it's needed. Um, I think if there's a day where a kid is going to be up until 2am doing their homework, if they come to dance, that maybe that's a day that they don't come to dance. We've sent them home before. And, and maybe it's different if it's, the Wednesday before <laughs> a competition, right? Like there's there's different circumstances, but I think that there's definitely days where it is okay to miss. And I think it's okay to miss for fun things too. If I don't know Absolutely. what all these things are that are happening at the high school anymore, they tell me about all these things. I don't know what they're called. Sometimes we <laughs> joke about them with them because they sound funny, like these little like hoedowns or whatever they're talking about. But I think it's important that they go to all those things and that they feel like they're experiencing it all. But then I think sometimes it's also difficult if they're missing so much that they're starting to feel behind a dance or like they're not accomplishing their goals or, Oh my gosh, I missed all these corrections because I wasn't there on a Wednesday or I missed choreography. Then it can have the opposite effect. And so it's not becoming a good balance in their life anymore. It's just becoming one more stressful thing because they missed more. So once again, That's where I think they need all of us, parents, teachers, in their life, helping them to find that balance. Because I've also seen a lot of kids that are very talented, and I truly believe they love dancing so much, burn out, because they start to feel like they're not accomplishing their goals because they've missed so much. Mm -hmm. So I think protecting that and helping to protect that is is important and tricky. Um, If we jump back to the whole work-life balance thing really quick, I heard someone say this recently, and it also got me thinking for a while, that we talk so much, even as adults, about work-life balance and how there needs to be a complete balance in life between all the things. And while I do think balance is important, then this person said, in order to achieve greatness, it usually requires some sacrifice But that doesn't mean fully sacrificing everything else. But rarely are you going to have this perfect balance of an exact, perfectly balanced social life and dance life and school and all the things and achieve greatness in any of it. Mm -hmm. So I think sacrifice is necessary, but it doesn't mean sacrifice of everything. And that's something Sophia had even talked about, like you had said, was just having difficulty, um, especially like even when she was... Um, the winner of Best Dancer at the Dance Awards. And so then she's assisting all the big teachers at all these conventions and competitions. She said she had trouble connecting with the teachers sometimes or even just connecting with other kids her age just because her whole life had been lived in a dance studio. And so I think especially as artists and as they get older – being able to be a human that can connect with other dancers, connect with the audience, tell Bingo. a story Bingo. Oh. Um, is so important. And if they haven't experienced anything outside the studio, that's going to be hard to pull from. Well, when we think about the best dancers or actors or whatever that we like watching, most of them do other things and they have other experiences. They have other hobbies and that's what they are able to pull from in order to give the performances that they do. So, yeah, so important at a young age, especially, that they're building those those times. And I would even say all within reason. Like, I feel like 
I was able to do that. And most of, I don't think I had a whole lot of other (laughs) hobbies. I don't know that I still do, but I had a very good group of friends, um, with dance and at school, but I had these groups of friends where I was still experiencing social connection. Even if dance was kind of the common ground there, it wasn't just dance training 12 hours a day, all day, every day. We were still learning how to socially engage and interact with each other. And I think that goes back to the whole one size doesn't fit all either and knowing each kid individually yes. mm-hmm. and what they need because some kids can just go, 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 go and other kids you know, need a little bit more margin. Absolutely. But I think kids need the experience of getting their feelings hurt by a friend and the experience of just total joy from something as simple as like a pool party. And I think all those experiences are just little emotions that they can pull from as an artist and all of that's super important. Yeah. The next thing on our little list here is, oh, and I think this is really important. Let us know if, and I've never said this before, but I thought about it a lot recently and I thought about it even more during that Sophia interview. Let us know if there is something major going on in your dancer's life. Please. Um, and I don't necessarily mean like they just had a bad, one bad day at school. Um, but if something lasting has been going on, if they've always been a straight A student and all of a sudden they're really struggling with school or if there's a massive family dynamic change, I, I, we don't even need to know all the details, but I think just knowing they're going through something can be so helpful because we spend so much time with them. And and in knowing how to approach them and knowing how to best help them and knowing things to or things to not say or things to avoid or or just, yeah, to to know what is going on outside of those four walls of a dance studio is so helpful when you are teaching them as much as we are. And sometimes the what isn't even as necessary as just that there's something. Just that there's something, yeah. Uh Um, I can't tell you how many times I've really pushed a kid hard one day and like, yes, we're going to push through these barriers and work to their fullest Mm -hmm. potential just to find out that they're going through something really hard at home afterwards. And like, oh, maybe that wasn't the best day. So I think knowing those things, especially if they've been going on for a long time, is certainly helpful. It doesn't have to be all the details, just a little bit of something. I've also found as the kids are older... As they're, that's what I was going to say. As they're older, they'll come to us a lot when those rela- relationships have been established. A lot of times they will, but I think the I've almost found the worse the situation, the longer it can take for them to open up about it. And sometimes the worse the situation, the more important it is that we just know something's going on. And then obviously, typically our younger students, the 10-year-olds don't typically bounce in and <laughs> tell us, suddenly I'm not doing well in school, or um, I haven't been sleeping at night, or I'm suddenly allergic to all these foods and I can't eat anything while we figure out if I'm Why are you shaky? allergic yeah. to gluten. So I think if there's something major going on... Um, doesn't have to be all the details, but just a quick email of, hey, this something's going on with them can help us. Um, I think the last thing that mm-hmm. we have for this, and then, I, like I said, I think this will be a topic that we continue to come back to regularly. Upon, yeah. But Francisco Gella is the ballet instructor at 24-7, and I love following his social media. He post things quite often that are very well thought out, um, just little nuggets of wisdom about both the physical and mental health of dancers of 
all different ages. And a lot of times that has opened the door or something I've seen him post um, has set me down like a, a little tangent that we'll go down in dance class and kind of talk about but I was thinking, especially for parents and as you're spending so much time with them in the car on the way to dance and school and all the things, um, you should definitely check him out, Francisco Gella, G-E-L-L-A. And I bet a lot of times there's things on there that could open doors for great conversations with you and your dancer yeah. as well. Um, just to kind of check in and see how they're doing on all of this. Yeah. No, he's he's great. Like mm-hmm. the level of inspiration. and. I feel like he keeps the main thing, the main thing, the main thing. It's always it's always from such a great place. So, And I think it's important to say, yes, we, we want them to have a childhood, right? But in my experience, dance was my childhood, and I loved it. And I still mm-hmm. feel like I had a childhood. Um, I performed in Tulsa Ballet's Nutcracker on Christmas Eve for multiple years, and that was magical to me, and it felt like a family Christmas tradition that my grandpa came and watched and we did things afterwards. And so dance was very much a large part of my childhood, but it still felt like a childhood and it still had magic and joy and friendships. And I think for a lot of these kids, they'll look back and it'll be the same, but we have to protect it and make sure that it doesn't get so here's the goal. Here's the prize that they lose that part of it. But it's also not all sunshine and rainbows. And part of what comes with becoming a good dancer is discipline and hard work and things that will matter in their life, whether they go on to do this or not. Um, And finding that balance is so tricky. And I think it takes all of us to help them find that. That was very well said. Very well said. So um, keep sending in your ideas, please. And if you have any uh, things you want us to cover, we we keep enjoying getting those uh, from you guys. And thanks again for joining us today. And we will see you next time. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.